So we're continuing our series on John 1 to 5, and we've reached John chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. And hopefully the words will appear as if by magic. Fantastic. Look at that. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he may be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend up from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Like all good sermons, I've got three parts today. The first part, we're going to look at the mission of John the Baptist. Then we're going to look at the mission of Jesus. And then we're going to look at our mission. So we saw last week, those of you who were around last week, and those of you who weren't can listen to it on the iPlayer, that... When the Pharisees challenged John, who are you? He said, I'm one who is like a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. But it's then also clear from this passage, he didn't actually know who the person coming after him was. He'd had this revelation from God, that his mission was to point the way to somebody who was coming after him. But actually, he didn't know who that was. It's very clear in this passage, he says it twice. I did not know who it was. And then we can, we can actually look at uh, some of the early bits of Luke and we can think, well, hang on. How, how come? Because we've, we hear all these stories of the angel appearing to Elizabeth and then the angel appearing to Mary. And, well, he probably was aware somewhere there was some sort of family thing that his mother and his aunt had talked about. But he didn't know who it was who he was pointing the way. And this can be like when we have prophetic revelation. God gives us a bit of the picture very clearly and very emphatically, but he doesn't actually give us the whole picture. And I thought to, before we actually really delve into what's what's going on, it would perhaps be a little helpful to talk about that, because sometimes when people come to bring contributions, or someone's praying and they have a word for you, sometimes it can be a little, how does this happen? What's going on? How did they know that? So I've got a couple of recent examples that I just want to use as examples of the different ways these processes happen. So a couple of weekends ago, we went over to the student weekend away. In the um, just we went over, for, Chris and I went over the Saturday afternoon and evening, and there was a ministry time going on there. 
And in the middle of the worship, God started to talk to me and said, there are people here who their calling is in national level leadership. And I thought, what? National level secular leadership, like political leadership. And I'm thinking, well, where's this coming from? I didn't know who it was. He then told me, actually, there are three people here for whom that's true. I didn't know who that was, so I, I came and I brought, brought this. Uh, I didn't know when to do it. It felt like it was cutting across the meeting. I felt him just say, wait, wait, the time's going to come. And then Keith came with something else, and somehow we ambushed John, who was leading the meeting, and, and he very graciously let us ambush it, and, um, and then we, it all flowed on and carried on. And, and then as I was thinking about it, there were, there were, I kind of had an idea about two people who it might be but I really didn't know and four people responded two of whom were the people who I had this sort of idea so I had this very clear idea of what God was saying but I didn't really know and one of those people afterwards has said they had felt this for themselves but thinking well it feels a little bit kind of arrogant to say this is what I believe God's calling me into and that was a confirmation for them so that's one way that it can happen we know that there's somebody or something but we don't know who it applies to and the second way is there was the, um, the Saturday morning prayer meeting the, month, the first Saturday of the month prayer meeting which plug here we have a great time come because it's a great time to meet with God and to um, well, have, have breakfast together but also to, to pray and God highlighted me, to me one of the people who was there now I didn't know what it was that he wanted to say but suddenly I knew that, it was, that there was something for her and then subsequently everything happened so this process of revelation this, this is very, it just feels authentic what, what John's saying I didn't know who it was and then he saw Jesus coming towards him and he knows ah there's a second step and he says ah I know he's the one that God has already been speaking to me about this is the one this is the one who I need to prepare the way for so part of John's mission is preparing the way and that's why we've called this this um, series about preparing the way. And the second thing that, that part of his mission that we see again in this passage is that he came to pass on the revelation that he'd received. So it says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel There's, so he had revelation himself but it wasn't just something that was for himself but it was something that his purpose was to pass that on to be a channel or a conduit of the revelation so that all of Israel would know and the third part of his mission and this is a slightly strange one, and we read about this in John 3, verse 30. 
John's mission in life was to decrease so that Jesus would increase. And he had this amazing story of of his birth that we read about. And then this ministry. And then Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus and John sorry starts to decrease and he ends up having his head chopped off. And it's a it's a real it's a real it's a very strange life when you think about it. We read in, in Luke one fifteen that John was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And that's quite amazing. That's, that's, that's the point from which he, that's the high point from which his mission was to decrease. And as I was thinking about it, I can't think of anybody else in the Bible who was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Maybe the theologians can correct me, but I can't think of anybody. The closest I could come was Samson, who was also called from his mother's womb, but this was to be a Nazarite and and so forth. Somebody will say, well, what about Jesus? Well, we don't actually read that Jesus was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. He actually emptied himself of all of his divine attributes, as we read in Philippians, he emptied himself and took on the the form of a man and the form of a servant. And it was only when he was baptised that the Holy Spirit came on him. And that was because he chose to be just like us. So what was John's mission? John's mission, apart from to prepare the way, pass on revelation and to decrease, his mission was to to preach baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we read that, and forgiveness of sins was was a prime thing that he was preaching. That was his mission. But what did he have to offer after people's sins were forgiven. Actually, he had very little to offer. In Luke 3, 10 to 14, this is the only part where we get a snippet of his teaching, he had moral teaching. He had moral code. That if you have two tunics and somebody else has none, you share them. If you have more food, you share it. If you're a tax collector, you don't, you don't uh, swindle people. If you're a soldier, you don't take bribes. He had moral teaching, but yet he, what he was bringing could not bring salvation. He was uniquely qualified to know that he was, because he, ha- he had the power of God, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, but he didn't actually have the capacity to pass that on to other people. He had revelation he could pass on, and he could preach forgiveness, but there was one coming after him who actually could fulfil all those things that John couldn't do. And I started thinking about John. It's a, it actually must have been a very frustrating position for him to be in. He knew the power of God, 
but yet he couldn't actually see the power of God at work in people's lives. All he could see was forgiveness and repentance. So what about the mission of Jesus? As John says in this passage, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. According to that tome of theological information, the footnotes in the NIV study Bible, it's not at all clear which passage he's referring to in the Old Testament. And there's a suge- there was a suggestion there that it could be the Passover lamb in Exodus 12, which was about removing death. And maybe Ali referred to this slightly last week. There's the sacrificial lamb and the atonement lamb, both in Leviticus 16. The sacrificial lamb pays the price for the sin, and the atonement lamb carries those sins out into the wilderness. So whichever one of these three it is, perhaps it's all three, I think Jesus comes with all three of those. He is the Lamb of God. He pays the price for our sins. He takes them as far as the east is from the the west. And he removes the curse of death from us. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He gives us forgiveness. He takes our sins away. And he removes the curse of death. All those things that the teaching of John couldn't do. That's the first part of his his mission that John talks about here. He's the Lamb of God. The second is he comes to give us power to live a godly life, to baptise us in the Holy Spirit. He comes so that we can live a righteous life, not just trying to follow the moral teaching, but actually having the power to overcome and to, and to go into, to, to, to live a, a life that's pleasing to God. That's why I asked Andy and the band to, sit, to sing that song. Our God is a lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. But if it stopped there, we'd be basically in the same position as the people who heard John. We would have our sins forgiven, but we wouldn't have a power to live a godly life. We would have to come back again and again and again just like the people in the Old Testament had to bring their sacrifice again and again and again because they, they, it forgave them their sins but it didn't actually give them the power. But also our God is a lion. The lion of Judah, he's roaring with power and fighting our battles. He comes so that for all believers, he, the Holy Spirit lives inside us and gives us the power to be transformed by the renewing of our minds more and more into the image of God. As John said, 
Uh, John, sorry, Jesus said in John chapter 7, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow streams of living water. Now this he said about the Holy Spirit, whom those were, who believed in him were yet to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And then again in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. So when we have the Holy Spirit, we have the power of Jesus to, to overcome and to live a life that's pleasing to him. So that was the mission of John the Baptist and then the mission of Jesus. What about our mission? Well, we have a, a little strap line that we've used for the church for a long time that says, making Jesus known, seeing lives transformed. And that, if you like, is our mission. Just like John the Baptist, making Jesus known, and just like Jesus, seeing lives transformed. But let's just drill down a little, little deeper into that. So I'm going to go through those things that we saw um, from, from John the Baptist. Prepare the way. The reason why we're preaching this series of sermons is that back in the autumn we had a prophetic word that we were to prepare the way because God was wanting to do something among us. So we responded to that and decided that we would, we would follow and we would preach this, this series. Our second part of our mission is to pass on the revelation that we have received. That we proclaim Jesus. Jesus paid the price for our sin. He's removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And he's removed the curse of death. So you can see those in Psalm 103 verse 12 and 1 Corinthians 15 verses 20 to 26. So, the, so what Jesus accomplished as the Lamb of God, giving us forgiveness, taking away our sins and removing the curse of death. This is the revelation he's given us to pass on to the world. And it's great. It is fantastic. But we can only do that if we decrease so that he increases. Because if it's all about our plans and our ideas and our, our constructs, we don't bring Jesus. Our mission is to decrease so that Jesus would increase. And that's actually a tough one because we all like to kind of muscle in with our own little ways. But hopefully, for most of us, it won't end up in prison with our heads being chopped off. But yet, we are, our mission is to decrease so that Jesus would increase. And we point to Jesus, who's given us the power to live a godly life. Theologically, we call that process sanctification. 
that he's steadily making us more and more holy by his power at work in us. Stuff that we cannot do in our own strength, because in our own strength all we'll get is moral teaching and you can find hundreds of Christian books or even secular books out there that tell you ways to live a perfect life. But unless it's, it's by God working, the Holy Spirit working through us inside, then it'll just be effort and works and effort and works and it won't re- achieve anything. It's got to be by the grace of God. In Galatians 3 verse 3 it says, We began in the Spirit, so we don't want to revert to law and to, to doing it all, trying to do it all in our own strength. Now, we, we, in Emmanuel, we have a couple of courses that we put on every year that you could say at one level give you good moral teaching. We have the Alpha course and we have Freedom in Christ. But both of those courses at their heart and at their foundation, are, 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 they have a, a time where the Holy Spirit can come and do his work and, and the teaching as you go through it's constantly said that, that it's got to be by the power of God at work that any of this can happen I want to give you a little story from myself that a number of years ago when Freedom in Christ first came out we as a church we went through it everybody as a ch- in the church went through it and I thought yeah this is fine. It didn't particularly have much effect. I was just engaging with it at the moral teaching level. Then about uh, 18 months ago, uh, I was struggling with something and I was praying to God and I was saying, I just want to be free of this. And he said, go on freedom in Christ. I said, no, I've done that. It didn't work. He said, go on freedom in Christ. I said, no! He said, go on, freedom in Christ. So in the end I said, okay, and I signed up. But because I was going, knowing what it was that he wanted to deal with, and, and going in obedience to him, it was completely different. And, well, the, we have the, on the Freedom in Christ course, the steps day where you, where you work through many of the, these issues. And, well, I brought a whole load of issues up. And some of it happened roughly at the time, some of it over the the subsequent months. But I had seen things that were there in my life, things that had come from my family, things that had been there since my teenage, um, actually broken. And I've seen real change in my life. Yeah? I would, and so I'm now a passionate advocate of go on freedom in Christ because actually it does what it says on the tin. But it only does what it says on the tin if you engage with the Holy Spirit and you say, I want you to transform me. It's just a vehicle. It's not a magic formula. It's not, it's not a, a thing that you have to, to, to do and then magically everything will happen. No, it's a, it's a tool for us to engage in the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, another part of our mission, as Alan has already mentioned, is like John, we baptise, but we, unlike John, we baptise into Jesus, 
And I would like to echo what he said, that a couple of weeks' time we've got baptisms. If you've not been baptised as a believer, then this is open for you. And that can be a powerful experience of, uh, where, where God can come and, and, and he can actually begin or carry on with some of the work that, that, that we've been talking about. This power to come and to transform our lives. So those are my three points. It was the mission of John the Baptist, the mission of Jesus, and our mission. But all of that needs to have a bit of a response. And in a few moments, we're going to be breaking bread, which should be a signal (laughs) to get the kids. Um, And while we're breaking bread... I have asked Keith and Chris to come down to this side um, and they're going to have ministry badges on. And if you do not know that your sins are forgiven, that you do not know the power of God in your life, if you don't know that you are a child of God, and that, that he, he is there, and he has forgiven you, he has paid the price for your sin, he's removed it as far as the east is from the west, and he's removed the curse of death from your life, then go and talk to Keith and Chris, and there'll be some other ministry team people there, and, and they will pray for you, they'll talk to you, and, and they will help you on that journey. But if you don't have the assurance in yourself that your sins are forgiven, that you've been made holy and you've been brought into the family of God, you may have prayed a prayer, you may have been brought up in a Christian family, but if you don't have that assurance inside yourself, go and talk to them and they will help you on that journey. And on this side, I've asked Alan and Anna to come, if you have not been baptised in the Holy Spirit, that you don't have that power to overcome in your daily life, and that you want to receive the power of God, then they're going to be down here, and they, they would love to pray for you to experience that power of God. And they're also going to have ministry team badges. And I'd also like other members of the ministry team to come and to assist in this prayer, And if you don't quite know who to go up and talk to, then just look for somebody with one of these badges and they would love to to help you to walk on that journey, either to walk on the journey to know that your sins are forgiven and that you've been brought into God's family, or that that you um, need to have the power of God at work in your life. So... We're now going to, to move on to the, the breaking bread. And all this is going to happen while we come in, so thanks Sally. And I specifically have chosen to use the passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 28. And I'll, you'll see why in a moment. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. 
And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus are there for the forgiveness of sins. So this is, in one sense, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a remembering of the work of Jesus. But it also, it's a sacrament whereby as we engage in that, and as we, we come in obedience, God gives us the power, and he takes away our sins, and he gives us the power to live a new life. So I'm going to pass over to the band now. The children are going to be coming back. Um, and, and then so as we break bread, there'll be, there's, there's a one station down here which is slowly moving. And, and those people on the tape won't understand what's going on. And there's two at the back. And if you, have, you trust in Jesus, you don't have to be a member of this church, but if you trust in Jesus as your saviour, then then go and take the bread and take the wine and remember your Saviour and the forgiveness that he's given for you. And if you don't, go and talk to Keith and Chris and then maybe in a little while you'll be able to.